lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in here today, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Dace alongside Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox, which you can access by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. You can also look for us on places that don't attempt to censor us. Me, we parlor and gab. Look for Steve Dace there and at Steve Dace Show on Getter at G-E-T-T-R. Also head over to rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show if you want to watch clips of the show for free that are also free of censorship. Again, that's rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. If you're in the market for some new glasses, and maybe you like mine. Uh, Let me tell you about where I got mine. I got mine at our friends at Better Spectacles, where right now they are offering authentic German-engineered Rodenstock eyewear. I'm wearing some of that right now, in fact, for the first time here in the U.S. That's over a 140-year-old German company, over 500 patents, considered one of the leaders in the world. And now they're available for regular and even difficult prescriptions like mine. If you require progressives because you're a little far and a little near as I am after staring at screens for so many years, uh, they can help you out at betterspectacles.com. Schedule your teleoptical appointment there and you'll get access to some of the best trained opticians in the country. And they're offering you a special introductory offer right now. 61% off the Spec lenses, plus those free handcrafted Rodenstock frames that look so good. When you visit betterspectacles.com slash Steve. Again, head over to betterspectacles.com slash Steve. All right, coming up on today's program, it is a Wednesday. You know what that means. Our good friend Daniel Horowitz will be joining us here uh, towards the end of the show. And we'll get into, I want to ask him about a podcast of his I just listened to, where where he was talking about all-cause and excess mortality with a researcher and professor at Columbia University. You know, that's an Ivy League school. First of all, I'm, I can't believe that Daniel got an Ivy League professor uh, other than Andrew Boston from Brown to actually come on his show because that could get you tainted in that world, right? But what he had to say in this podcast, if you've not had a chance to listen to this yet, I'm going to have Daniel give us a summary of it. And then he's got some incredible data that he is posting uh, from Scotland's uh, Ministry of Health where COVID is concerned. So we'll get into that and more with Daniel later on. Of course, we will soon begin our fun weekly game of Buy, seller Hold. But before we get to all of that, we must begin... As always, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by a return to sanity. The UK is set to relinquish all Omicron government mandates. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson made that announcement earlier this morning. We can return to Plan A in England and allow Plan B regulations to expire. As a result, from the start of Thursday next week, mandatory certification will end. Organisations can, of course, choose to use the NHS COVID pass voluntarily, but we will end the compulsory use of COVID status certification in England. From now on, the government is no longer asking people to work from home. And people should now speak to their employers about arrangements for returning to the office. And having looked at the data carefully, the Cabinet concluded that once regulations lapse, the government will no longer mandate the wearing 
of face masks anywhere. A new report out of Scotland indicates the unvaccinated have the lowest case rate per 100,000 people of any cohort there. This is a banana update. CNN announced this week they're creating a team dedicated to covering misinformation. In completely unrelated news, CNN also announced recently they're signing the most vile, angry peddler of misinformation on Twitter, Rex Chapman, for a weekly show on their new streaming service, CNN+. In further unrelated news, Don Lamont has some thoughts about stuff. We have to start doing things for the greater good of society and not for idiots who think that they can do their own research or that they are above the law and they can break the rules. Australia, Novak Djokovic. Australia said, no, 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 no. We're going to look at the greater good of everyone in our society, and you're not part of that. In further, further unrelated news, here's a CNN viewer, probably. Okay, I'm going to do this every time this happens. I just walked into a restaurant. I had my mask, and people were waiting, not eating, without masks on. What the fuck, people? Wear your mask. Wear your mask the law. The White House is expected to announce they're making 400 million N95 respirators available for quote free at thousands of drugstores across the country. Meanwhile in Australia. The possibility of Samantha Shapiro's rescue dog getting severely sick from COVID is her worst nightmare. Because she is much older, um, absolutely. I think she is a lot more susceptible um, to it. To ease the fear, she wants her staffy vaccinated. I would feel like so helpless and so defenseless knowing that possibly there was something that possibly could have saved her. Would you vaccinate your pet? Absolutely, why not? I absolutely would. And then there's this from attorney Aaron Siri. White House email obtained on behalf of the Informed Consent Action Network shows Facebook, Merck and CDC Foundation, whose sponsors include Pfizer, form alliance to, quote, use social media and digital platforms to build confidence in and drive uptake of vaccines. A new peer-reviewed study out of Brazil found over 150,000 subjects found regular prophylactic use of ivermectin, quote, was associated with a significantly reduced COVID-19 infection, hospitalization, and mortality rates. Athletes traveling to next month's Beijing Olympics were warned Tuesday about speaking up on human rights issues while in China for their own safety by speakers at a seminar hosted by the organization Human Rights Watch. Ray Epps, the guy who is definitely not a federal agent who attempted to provoke crowds to enter the U.S. Capitol on January 6th of last year, is set to testify to the January 6th quote-unquote select committee on Friday. And finally, this from the Babylon Bee. In statement to Jewish community, Biden says Republican opposition to voting bill is Holocaust 2.0. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Bonner Private Wine. Some of the best imported wines that you'll get anywhere in the world. They're grown on vineyards that are about 9,000 feet deep in the Andes Mountains of Argentina. Some of the finest red wines, rare wines on planet Earth. They offer them to you, though, at half the retail price. They're not loaded with chemicals and sugars like a lot of the stuff you buy in the store, but they are loaded with a lot of flavor. All three of us have uh, have sampled a bottle, or in Todd's case, several, and uh, really uh, enjoyed it. So if you want to give it a shot right now, uh, no promo code is necessary. Uh, you can get this wine sent to you right now, half off. Half off, uh, you'll get 50% off the shipping for this wine right now when you go to bonnerprivatewines.com slash Steve. Once more, bonnerprivatewines.com slash Steve. 
After today's show, we will record our overtime for Blaze TV subscribers, the mini bonus exclusive that we do that you'll be able to download later today after we upload it to blazetv.com slash dace. Today's topic is a Twitter poll I've got going right now. You've still got time to vote in at Steve Day Show. Uh, and I'm asking our audience, how many of you think your Republican congressman or and or senator deserve to be primaried this year? All right. If you want to vote in that poll, uh, you can go to at Steve Day Show on Twitter. If you want to hear us break down the results, you can go to uh, blazetv.com slash dace later today. When we do that, we'll record that right after today's show for blazetv.com slash dace and our subscribers there. And that's also where you can go if you'd like to become a subscriber for a discount at blazetv.com slash dace. Let's get to the montage. Further proof that self-awareness is dead. A guy by the last name of Lemon suggests that you should not do any of your own research, any of your own work, and instead just buy the information jalopy that his ilk is selling sight unseen. And his last name is Lemon, of course. Also, do you know, I know we've come to not expect absolutely anything from journalists, but you know what journalists actually are supposed to do? Their own research. They look into stuff that they're not experts at. Hmm. And they try to figure out what's going on. So there's that. Also, you don't seem to have any problem when it comes to what the definition of a man or a woman or a marriage is breaking the rules and throwing the rules out yeah, the we window, Yeah, about boy. those things. Yeah, yeah. indeed. Very so, well, very well put. Um, can you point me to the common good clause of the U.S. Constitution, by the way? <clears throat> yes, uh, exactly. Now, I do think, Todd, I got to push back on you a little bit. I think you're being somewhat unfair to America's fourth estate. I mean, CNN announcing yesterday that it's going to start a team to push back against misinformation. I I, I think, frankly, I know I just said that self-awareness is dead, but I, I, I mean, I, I think that's, a, that's an admirable level of accountability. I mean, that they're going to invest that those kinds of resources into their own systems and, and their own integrity as a, as an institution. I mean, I, I, I think they should, we should recognize that. I was interested to see what you were going to focus on here. And you focused on the two things were top of mind. Don Lemon is a punchline. He's an absolute punchline. He's a construct. It's like, that's not even a real person. But what you just mentioned is chilling. It is CNN declaring we are going full Pravda. Yeah. It is full Orwellian nightmare and we're proud of it. Yeah, they weren't because before. they're not, they're not going to do any accountability on themselves. No, no they, they no. weren't before. No, I mean, well, no, but now it's just... It, <clears throat> dialing it up to 12. Yeah, it's, it's, it's I am the Senate now. It's, remember on. when they doxed that dude for putting out that meme a few years ago? Remember that? They've done the meme this. that Trump shared about CNN getting dunked in, a, in, the, in the WWF or something? And they doxed that guy and that was like considered a big scandal that a major news organization would, would kind of break that wall and go there. That's what this initiative is. They're just going to do that all the time. Yes. Yeah. But it's going to be people that are actually like probably telling the truth, but that goes against the, the, the regime approved narrative and they're going to try to target you. They're going to try to put a target on you and boy, it would be, this is the informational equivalent of the mob showing up to your waterfront uh, barbershop 
or general store or whatever your local business was and says and saying to you, man, it'd be a shame if this thing burnt down. That's it, essentially what this is. Yeah, and they're doing it at the same time that Fauci's- Routine background checks for everybody. Oh, yes. yes. Fauci's out there again talking about the believers and the non-believers. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember, everything pre-COVID was to soften us up for COVID. Believe it or not, everything COVID now is to soften us up for the very next mouthful of terrible that they're going to shove down your throat. We are in the midst of a civil war. There's no denying it. They're flat out telling you and daring you to do something about it. So let's talk about a country that we fought a couple of wars against. One that we won and one that we likely lost. Britain. And what's going on in the UK right now? So earlier today, as you saw from Aaron's montage, Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who we were fairly convinced in 2020 had lost his damn mind, right? This is the guy that takes over. He, we thought there's no way. In fact, I made the prediction, Britain will never pull out. They'll never honor the Brexit vote. They will find some excuse. They'll Mitt Romney this thing, right? Huh? He ran for the prime minister on. We're going we're gonna to honor the Brexit vote and pull out of the EU, and he followed through, right? Yeah. Ten minutes after he did that, the guy read the Imperial College report and decided we have to shut society down and lost his damn mind. And, and prior to the Imperial College survey, by the way, Boris Johnson was actually going to seek a Sweden-style of response to this, a herd immunity strategy. And I hate to tell you, but uh, the Trump White House actually called him and urged him to not do that at the time. No control groups after all, right? All right. Mm-hmm. And then the Imperial College survey came out, freaked everybody out, and the UK essentially became the United Kingdom of Imperial College, uh, you know, uh, data models, basically, for the next 23 months. Mm-hmm. And now, guys, it was just a couple of weeks ago. Not too long ago. It was just a couple of weeks ago that there was open pandemonium within Parliament there about instituting uh, uh, jab passes. And you've got Jeremy Corbyn, the anti-Semitic Soviet leader of the Labor Party, coming out and talking about how this is authoritarian and anti-freedom, right? All right. I mean, it was open. It was open pandemonium within UK politics over this. That was just a couple weeks ago, and now, now they come out today and announce all restrictions are gone. Lest you think, and that includes jab passes and masks. And lest you think this is even an isolated incident. Ten minutes before we came on the air here, the Czech Republic which has been going to all-out war against its citizenry over jab passes. Their prime minister just announced, literally 10 minutes before the show started, that they are also now going to cease attempting to impose jabs because he's worried about deepening the rift within society. Chances are I talked to my pollster. Okay. So, we brought this up was it just yesterday or Monday I talked about the political dynamic in the UK and how we are easily getting the best data from them now on COVID than any country in the world. And Aaron highlighted some of that Scottish data that Daniel had earlier today. We're going to talk to Daniel about that later in the program. Uh, But how did this happen? How did the UK go from exporting? And because I think this is an important conversation for us to have. 
when looking at how to successfully push back against the spirit of the age in our own culture. All right. I mean, if you had, if you had the UK, um, acknowledging Atlas has shrugged before the United States on your bingo card, congrats to you, man. Cause I'm guessing that's probably not too many people fair given, mm-hmm. you know, the history of the two countries, but yet here we are the same day that the UK is dropping all this stuff. Our government announces that it's going to send out our environmentally conscious government has announced it's going to send out, what is it? 500 million and 95 masks yeah, or something or like 500 that. million. Yeah. yeah. These you can only be used one time guys. You recognize that, right? Like, first of all, your cloth mask can't be used like any times. They never worked ever. And then the minute you touched it, rubbed it, took it off, did anything. All right. It was completely useless. You took it off to take a drink on the plane and put it back on. It was already useless. But you were just re-inhaling your own bacteria. It wasn't doing anything. Well, these N95s, they actually work, but they only work once. They're like Johnny Dangerously. All right. Once you take it off, you, these aren't reusable. That was the whole that was the whole conversation that they had with Jen Psaki about this in the White House. What was it just a few days ago, right? Why are we sending a bunch of masks to people that they can only wear once? I mean, um, what our landfills are going to look like here in May and June just full of these masks. It's going to remember the ventilators and the landfills in 2020. That's what this is going to look like in May and June with N95s. Just used up, never used N95s. Just, you know, um, what's the robot movie? Where they pile up so much, uh, Wally, Wally of Wally proportions. Great movie. Okay, I mean that's what that, that this is. Essentially, America is now, and, and no, I I really don't care. I don't care what Vladimir Putin does to Ukraine. I don't. I I just don't. I would have never said that. I never would have envisioned myself saying that a few years ago. I acknowledge he's one of the worst people in the world. I've spent the last 23 months trying to stop my government from forcibly jabbing me with an experimental substance of waning, if not no efficacy, and all and, and a high concentration of adverse side effects. That's completely and totally really untested in a long-term setting. And that was after they spent the previous year denying me free oxygen, open commerce, and travel, uh, and assembly, and my and ability to see loved ones. So no, frankly, I'm trying to infi- I'm trying to stay off invasion from the United States of America. Got our own border battle over here. Before I worry about whatever the Sam Hill, the former head of KGB does to the Ukraine. But I digress. Okay? We're now going to turn America... Dude, the shelves are empty if you need cough medicine or meat in many places. But we will see friggin' silos of landfills worth of N95 masks in this country in the next couple of months. And yet... And yet, maybe we, you know what? Maybe we do need more lectures from the royal, more lecturing interviews with Oprah and the royal family. Because apparently they care, they're, they're more free in the UK than we are now. Now, how did this happen? And I think this is important. To me, the, it's what I mentioned a couple days ago, the last time this came up. The biggest noticeable thing that I see is we had a populist protest movement from the right. Now, it wasn't just the right. Right? We, we, like at our home state here in Iowa, we have, what, 30 counties that Barack Obama won once or twice that ended up going for Donald Trump, right? So it, 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 it wasn't just the right, that, uh, the, this, this populist uprising that Trump helped to spearhead or, or took advantage of, depending on how you want to look at it. It was primarily from the right, but it wasn't just the right. Fair? Yeah. 
We had a precursor to this in Nigel Farage in the UK. Now, Nigel Farage originally attempted to infiltrate the existing political system there between the Tories and Labour. Couldn't get anywhere. So he just started his own way. And it, he got a few ministers, a few members of parliament elected. But it wasn't like he was, they, they, he was ever going to be prime minister of, of England. But they established enough of a foothold that as a protest movement that on a referendum like Brexit, they could shock the world. Those voters are still there. And, and even though it's primarily a populist uprising from the right in the UK, it is not exclusively so. Yet people like Ringo Starr voted for Brexit, for example. There were a lot of people. There, there's an element of Andrew Sullivan, Bill Maher, uh, Naomi Wolf. I'm just, I'm just calling BS on all of this over there too, right? Oh, yeah. That looked at Jeremy Corbyn and they're like, hey, man. Uh, dude, this is like when this is why John Lennon wrote Revolution. I'm all in on make love, not war, and peace, and hippie, and but uh, now you want me to sign up for Chairman Mao and cleansings and purges. Actually, that kind of sounds like what I thought I was in this to oppose. Frankly, okay, that sounds really fascist to me, you know. So I'm not down to clown with that. So you have that element there as well in the UK as we do here now, but it's still primarily from the right in the UK. And, it, and, and, and so it just, as much as the Tories would ha- have essentially become what Tony Blair was when he was in charge of labor 20 years ago, and would probably love to go full bore Romney, McConnell, cocaine Mitch on this, there is a proven organized element on the right of their flank that doesn't permit this. And has already proven it can it can move the culture. It can it can move the body politic in a substantive way. Departure from the European Union. I mean, you could argue that Nigel Farage won the most influential election in Western civilization in the last how many years? Fifty. At least since the mm-hmm. at least since at least at least since Reagan, I think you could argue that. Now, what happened here is Trump had that ability, but he has made it the exclusive home of the Republican Party. You cannot, and and that's why I keep bringing up the podcasting that RFK Jr. is doing with Steve Bannon, because RFK Jr. ain't voting Republican this fall, guys. Highly unlikely. And so this now provides a conduit within Trump's own movement to mobilize people that agree with you about overall disdain for the system if they don't necessarily agree with you affirmatively about what should be done instead, right? Yes. See, Trump shut that off. And in order to access this, and that was a little controversy with Kanye West. He was going to leave the Democrat plantation, but now would he just sign up to be a GOP shill now instead, right? Trump made this and continues to make this by, you know, elevating people like Elise Stefanik and Kevin McCarthy He's made this the exclusive home of the Republican Party. But now what you're seeing is elements within his base, what Bannon is doing and others, are attempting to provide a conduit beyond that you, that you can access this politically and, and mobilize politically without having to become a Republican. Farage did that in the UK. And I think that, had, that created the level of accountability and transparency that even if they wanted to completely 
great reset this thing all the way to a, a Davos level orgasm. They politically can't do it. And that's what we don't have that in America, at least not yet. The ability outside of the two party system. We can do it individually, like taking over school boards and stuff. With that, and that's what we mean by the answer is us, right? We can mm-hmm. do it that way. We can run for state legislature and things like that and essentially be insurgents within one of these parties. We can do that. But, but, you, but collectively, there is no means in America right now to move, the, to move the fulcrum of American politics in the direction you want without accessing directly one of these two parties. Trump maybe could have created one. Chose not to. Maybe he, maybe he chose that because he realized he thought he could not. That's possible too, right? Mm-hmm. He, he might have decided, you know what, I can't do that, actually. And so this is probably the furthest we can go here. But that's one thing I see that has led to the events of today. And, and the events of today, what led up to it was m- months and months of telling the truth about data that, frankly, no other country in the world was. I mean, Sweden's out there, has gone from, you know... Uh, anti-lockdown to, I mean, they're even promoting like implanted vax passes in Sweden now. Can you guys, what do you guys think of that? Am I missing an angle? You agree, disagree? Aaron, I'll start with you. I think, yeah, I think largely that's, there is one thing that I've just noticed. um, Maybe it's just from pop culture. Maybe that's all that it is, but when I follow people from the UK on Twitter, when I see things in pop culture from from the United Kingdom, and it's no small amount because we share large swaths of culture with each other, there is just this overwhelming, I mean, it's like, if you like the government over there, there's something wrong with you. It's like everybody hates the government. It's like a time-honored tradition. Everybody hates that government. At least that's the, the picture that I get. Then there's the other thing as well. Um... It's my understanding that even today, yeah, there's a lot of woke stuff in public education in the United Kingdom, but even today, there's uh, still an institutional, at least within public education and higher education over there, institutional classical education, which then means that there is still some, on some level, now obviously it's not a, it's not the vast majority or else they would have never gone into lockdowns to this degree in the first place, but on some level amongst the institutions in the United Kingdom because of their education system still implementing classical education, meaning you have a broad range and you're taught how to think critically, a broad range of of knowledge and, and education from which to pull. Institutionally, there is on some level, some level of, of criti- critical thinking. I think, you know what, that's a great point. Because what did we? One of the first institutions that began pushing back from this right against this right away was Oxford, number one rated university in the world. Where's that located in the UK? Yeah. And, and what's the name of Oxford's healthcare think tank, by the way? The Center for Evidence Based Medicine. That's the name of it. I mean, the day after the Imperial College survey came out, Dr. Sinatra Gupta from Oxford's Center for Evidence Based Medicine was in the Left Wing Economist the next day, pointing out that this model is garbage. Now, arguably our number one medical school, Stanford, tried this. Even before Scott Atlas, there were numerous, John Enides was one of the first epidemiologists in America to push back on the lockdown narrative. Where's he from? Stanford. So Stanford's arguably our top medical school. And 
It had several members. Harvard and Yale had isolated people. Harvey Risch at Yale, Michael Katz at Yale, Martin Koldorf at Harvard. They had isolated members of their faculty that pushed back on this. Stanford had a block of its faculty pushed back on this from the beginning. And yet within its own ecosystem faced cancel culture, censorship. Um, I've not seen a lot of that. Like I haven't seen a, a bunch of you of, of another wing of of Oxford scientists saying actually we think lockdowns are working swell. So I think I think that's a great point that you just made there, Aaron, that there is a level of critical thinking remaining within their their mainstream elite academic circles on an institutional level that is largely vanquished from our own. That's an interesting point, Todd. What do you think? Well, I think the Brexit sensibility, it obviously went dormant for a long time, but it does seem to be awake. And like you said, with a vengeance, just as of a couple of weeks ago, they were discussing these vax passes. Well, what else did we start see happening in news back then? I, I can't help but think this is part of it. Although we, we lost tons of blood and treasure in World War II, it was not in our backyard. And in the last two weeks, Germany has seemed to embrace uh, a Third Reich sensibility yeah. again. Mm-hmm. You think that might have people saying, I think uh, that's, yo? I think that's a good point, too. Yeah. You guys both, I think, made really salient points there. Good stuff. We'll come back. Begin our weekly game of Buy, Sell, or Hold here next. So let's face it, this is the month of likely to fail New Year's resolutions for many of us. We've all tried that many times before. One of the more popular ones is to eat better, lose weight, get healthier. And a lot of times that fails. Take it from me. I've got a lot of experience with this because you try something radical, uh, a radical diet or something, and it's just hard to maintain the discipline with it because it's really about making the right lifestyle choices. And that's one of the reasons I love Bill Bar so much. All right. If I'm, if, now I'm going to, you know, let's be serious about it. The, here's the reason I love it, because my kryptonite is sweets. All right, I, can, I can lay off a lot of other bad foods uh, that I think taste good, all right? But the sweets, I just, I mean, I, I'm, if there was a cult for chocolate, it was nice knowing you. <laughs> right? That's my, that's the bane of my existence, Okay, and that's what I love about Built Bar is it tastes like the sweets that I crave, but it's a protein bar. So it's got the protein um, and and without the the carbs and the sugars uh, and the calories that I don't need. All right. So you get the best of both worlds. So many great flavors. Somebody emailed me today and said, dude, I have no idea how that coconut brownie chunk is number two in your flavor power ratings. I love Built Bar. I tried that flavor. I thought it was trash. I'm going back to, and you mentioned another flavor that I actually would probably rank towards the bottom. That's the beauty of it again. There are just so many flavors, all right? Todd, you're not a big chocolate decadent guy, but nope. a lemon meringue or a cheesecake kind of sure. thing gets your attention. I'd you're kind it. of in you on bet. that. Absolutely, yeah. they're good. That's, that's the beauty of it. There are so many different options for so many different palettes out there. 15% off your first or next order at Built Bar or at for Built Bar at Built.com, B-U-I-L-T. That's the website. Built.com. Use my last name to get that 15% off. The promo code is DACE. D-E-A-C-E for Built Bar at Built.com. Let's get to it. Our weekly game of buy, sell, or hold. Aaron, with uh, ample assistance from you and the audience, will be throwing uh, Todd, you and I's way 
predictions and lists and all sorts, a cornucopia of things. Uh, and no topic is off limits. You and I will decide, are we going to buy that? Are we going to sell it? Even offer up maybe a reason why. Once per episode, uh, you are permitted to do a hold. But if it's for any reason other than that's just frankly terrible, you are going to give Lindsey Graham his next booster. You've been down this road before. I know. I know. I just like your reaction. I do. I like how uncomfortable you get. Aaron, what do you think it would, what, what would the tickets be on the open market to watch Todd give Lindsey Graham a booster shot? Tickets for that? Yeah. How much could, how much could we get for those tickets, do you think? Uh, In the hundreds? Master, oh, more than that. More I than mean, that? It's MasterCard, like priceless. All right. So $1,000 a ticket yeah. and we split the gate with you, Todd. This is like that Black Mirror update episode. I can't. No. It's not no. quite a pig. Not quite a pig. No. No? Okay. Aaron, you may begin. I tried, America. I tried. We will begin with Follow Truth, who says, Now that the UK has dropped COVID restrictions, Biden will follow in his delayed State of the Union speech on three ones on March 1st, after he wasted all that money for tests and masks for all. All right, so... I want to go back and revisit the conversation we had about that Paul Begala clip yesterday. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Begala was saying the problem with Democrats are not our leaders, but our followers. And, and we took that, or at least I did, because I was the one that did the analysis. I, I took that as like, dude, if, if your base has shown anything in the last 23 months is that they know how to follow, right? They're, they're too damn good at it. Frighteningly good, frankly. Right? Okay. Maybe I had the wrong take on that. And maybe Begala was actually in the right there. Because I I would imagine watching what's going on in the UK right now, in the Czech Republic, and there will be more countries now in the in, in the in the West that will do this. These won't be the only two. There will be more. I wonder if their version of the establishment or technocratic wing, the Begalas, the Axelrods, you know, who's kind of their Karl Rove, but actually smarter and um, not nearly as much of a douche. Just he's in favor of all the wrong things. Uh, I wonder if they're over there like Jonah Hill Giffen when Don Lemon comes on and says, uh, you know, just do everything you're told. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm, I wonder if he might have, if, if maybe I took the context of what he meant by that 180 degrees opposite. And what he was trying to say there is, dude, we would have Clinton triangulated this son of a gun faster. You can say Dick Morris, toe sucker. Okay. We'd have done this already. But we got this. We're held hostage by this friggin' crazy base of academics and uh, Twitter Nazis and seven or eight cable news hosts. Okay. And so we can't. I mean, we, 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 now we're making up fake news about Sonia Sotomayor. Okay, the whole story yesterday that Sonia Sotomayor asked uh, Neil Gorsuch to wear a mask. He refused. And so now she won't show up in in person. You guys saw this story. And of course, Rachel Maddow and everybody in MSNBC glommed onto this. The U.S. Supreme Court came out today on the record with Sotomayor and Gorsuch. Say the story is just completely untrue. We have a lot of different views, but we get along great. We're warm colleagues and friends. 
because there's just no truth to the story whatsoever. Nothing. Maybe what Begala was trying to do was friggin' warn us. Maybe it's like, guys, we, dude, I'm Paul Begala. Okay. I worked in the Clinton White House. You don't think I know how to write a, I know how to read a damn poll? You don't think I know what the polls say? You don't think I know what the numbers are? We've, I've written 45 sister soldier speeches for Joe Biden. We can't run any of them. We're screwed. Our followers, we're hostage to these people. Dr. Frankenstein always ends up create, hating the monster he created. We utilized all this spirit of the age, woke race crap, and now we can't get out. My kids like cold medicine too. I, 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 my, my wife's not like, hey, uh, Mrs. Begala's not like, it's okay, we got Joe Biden elected, so it doesn't matter that we have no, uh, there's no more Sudafed for, for Munchkin. No! We, were, we just did this to win the election, man. Just cold-blooded politics. We won. We thought we were going to be out of this thing six damn months ago. We can't get out. We're trapped. Is that maybe what he meant? Because I think that goes a long way to answering this question. Todd, do you have any thoughts on that? I, it could be. I find that fascinating. I, I do think it, it's, I, I mean, I, I don't care because he deserves this because. Oh, I'm not. This, yeah. this isn't, no, I know. this I know. isn't, this isn't sympathy. Yeah. It might be some empathy, right? but it's certainly not sympathy. Right. Because you did create this Frankenstein monster and it is uncontrollable and that's why i'm selling on uh this there's there's no appetite to make this go away and even amongst many people uh for electoral reasons i can see why steve's exactly right about the guys like axarod and bagala but let let's face it i i think they really learned the left the hardcore progressive cultist left that Trump in the White House and Republicans controlling both houses of Congress, it scared them at the very beginning. But then look at what they did. I think they feel bulletproof right now in a zombie-like way. Not in any like intellectual badassery kind of way I, I this is a very scary time i i don't think i mean that's why it's a cult it just doesn't care it will go on it will borg you to death so even in the face of an electoral loss you're republicans who cares we're gonna then we're gonna make uh, we're gonna hang a bunch of other stuff around your neck and you're not gonna fight back we've done this we know this fight they're just not so i don't think and no one's looking for europe's cue they're not looking for England's cue on this here. Our progressivism, even though we thought that it was 20 years ahead in some ways, and Steve has accurately diagnosed that in terms of we have a, a broader base here that is genuinely conservative. Uh, I think in many ways the zeitgeist is as it doesn't hold second fiddle here to any place else in the world. I agree with all of that. I don't think, though, it's open and shut that the end res- that that the end result will follow that trajectory. So I'm going to buy because I I really right now believe this is a flip of a coin right now, and I do believe that if you look at the layout coming right out after Christmas, there's no federal solution to this. Um. Uh. They they 
uh, getting rid of the uh, mandatory quarantining if you're in close contact with somebody, uh, then dropping it from 10 to 5. Uh, and, and, then when, and then when their cult base lost their minds over that, they did still, I think, restore the, if you're in close co- contact, you should quarantine, but did not demand more testing to return. They, didn't, they, they also didn't give them what they wanted. Okay, How the day after he lost at the Supreme Court, Joe Biden tweets out, your choice to get jabbed. That was the messaging he tweets out the day after they lose at the court. I, I think there is an absolute element that is not insignificant within the Democratic Party that is like, stop this train, we have to get off, okay? We have to, and are going to push to get off of it. And I think that's also why March 1st was selected for the State of the Union, to, to amp this up a series of these sorts of announcements and condition it. And to give some variation of Bill Clinton after he lost in 94, he comes out in the 95 State of the Union and says the era of big government is over. All right. I, I think that I do think this timetable is is someone this is on somebody significant in the Democratic Party. This is what he's articulated. This is their this is their plan, their timetable. I am not convinced they will successfully be able to pull it off. But I, I do think it's 50-50 right now. I do. I, I think it's a flip of the coin. So I'm going to take the buy just so that the other argument gets made. Fascinating topic, though. Fascinating politically, psychologically. I mean, it's just fascinating on a world, philosophically, uh, theologically. This is a, what's happening with the Democrats, what will happen with the Democrats these next few months with, with COVID is one of the biggest political worst track ink blots I've ever seen in my career. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Uh, moving on, uh, pro-choice is murder, says the Republican machine is more powerful than regular conservative base. No matter who we put into office, they'll just end up like a Crenshaw or McCarthy. Bye. I don't think that that's inevitable for everybody. In fact, we're going to have somebody on tomorrow that that hasn't show, so far been inevitable for, Congressman Thomas Massey. I think it's a systemic problem, but I don't... Um, uh, I. I I just don't have a worldview that believes that, that evil wins on a holistic level. So when that's thrown to me, I just tend to reject it on its face. So I'm going to sell. I agree it is a systemic problem, but it is not a holistic problem. So there are exceptions. There's always a remnant. So I'm going to sell even though I systemically agree with this. Next is Four Shots More Clots, who says the golden era of comic book movies is over. The next phases of both the MCU and DCU will be insufferably woke. Bye. I agree that the golden age of the comic book industry is over, and the people that are in charge of that now are bound and determined to ruin it. I, I, I'm not entirely convinced that that's going to happen on the broader inter- movie entertainment side. Um. So I'm going to sell. I, I think there will be elements of it, but what was the woke element in this last Spider-Man movie? What was it? Mm, yeah, I don't, I, I don't yeah, see one. Yeah, I can, but that is, it, it. It's a vestige of the old universe. It might be. It might be. But I, 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 those are publicly traded companies operating for billions and billions of dollars. So, I mean, they, they have to produce, those movie studios do some level of profit. Remember, they, Warner Brothers and Universal 
and Sony, they spend far more money and time putting out movies that affirm our values and promote them than the Cider House rules, right? So they're the ones that are ultimately making a lot of those decisions where this goes on the movie level. On the comic book level, it's, it's dead and probably never coming back. So I agree with that. So I half, I'll half buy, half sell. Next uh, is uh, Jake Vanek, who says, with the final results of the Baseball Hall of Fame being announced next week, David Ortiz will be the only player voted into the Hall of Fame, and Kurt Schilling will have to wait for the Veterans Committee. I agree that Kurt will have to wait for the Veterans Committee. I agree with that, which is a travesty. For those of you that don't know, uh, he's the only pitcher that had that, that wasn't uh, in, in uh, you know brought into the steroid scandal. He's the only pitcher in Major League history to have over 3,000 strikeouts that wasn't embroiled in the steroid scandal that is not in, in the Hall of Fame. He's the only one. And so there's, there's clearly only one reason for this, obviously. So, and that's not even counting the fact he's arguably the greatest October pitcher of all time. He's certainly in the conversation for greatest postseason yeah. pitcher of all time. So in the regular season, I mean, three. And, and for those of you that don't know, in Major League Baseball tradition, there are certain benchmarks that are automatic qualifiers to the Hall. 3,000 hits, 500 home runs. 300 wins, um, 3,000 strikeouts, right? Those mm-hmm. are kind of a uh, lifetime batting average of 300, right? Kind of Rod Carew, right? Those are certain benchmarks that are considered, unless you were in, in, involved in some form of scandal, automatic induction into the Hall of Fame when your time comes or at some point after your time comes. He has eclipsed one of those benchmarks while also being arguably the greatest postseason pitcher in the history of the game. And he did it without any form of a steroid scandal during the height of the steroid era. So the only reason he's not in there is politics, obviously. And I don't know why at the this is the think the last year he's eligible on the traditional ballot, I believe, right? I think so. So I don't then why would they now choose to go ahead yeah. and pull their punches after doing this to the right. guy for like a decade? I don't see it. I'll I'll buy unless there's something in the background with the the players. And the players, there should be something. If you really care about the integrity of this thing called the Hall of Fame that you're in, you should be taken somebody by the throat and saying enough is enough of this we're not letting this happen to this guy and this is how you know it's more of a cult than just politics if it was just politics out of disdain here's what they would have done held him out and then this last year put him in so that they don't grant him the i this the high round when he gets in with the veterans committee i think we all know the speeches curtain is given right mm-hmm. i think we all know what he's going to say about that right so you take that away from him. But cults don't have that level of self-awareness, clear thinking. Exactly. That, that's Don Lemon saying, just trust us on everything we tell you. Right. I mean, that, that's that's what you're dealing with here. And these are the those that same poisonous tree of journalisming is also who votes for the Hall of Fame until you get to the Veterans Committee. So yep. there you go. We'll come back and we'll play more Buy, Sell, or Hold, as well as talk to our good friend Daniel Horowitz next. Stay tuned. Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com, D-E-A-C-E. You can also like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. Look for Steve Dace there. Follow me on Twitter and Getter at Steve Dace Show. 
And then you can get clips of the show for free that also are not censored at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. For those of you that listen to the podcast, thank you so much. Please, if you have yet to do so, consider leaving us a five-star review. Hit the subscribe or like or follow button on your podcast platform. Uh, Every single one of you that have done that for us already, you have helped the show's continued and ongoing growth. So we appreciate each and every one of you. Also, we appreciate the fact that uh, so many of you have already gotten a copy of my new book, Do What You Believe, or you won't be free to believe it much longer. Tomorrow, we begin our Theology Thursday series. We're going to do three book studies this year. Uh, We're going to start with Scott Atlas's book, A Plague on Our Nation. So we're going to do the introduction in chapter one. If you've got that book, and you want to, and you are planning on following along with us. That begins tomorrow because this year's theme on Theology Thursday is we're going to look at through this through the other side of the looking glass. We're going to observe the spirit of the age in its natural habitat. We're doing recon. We've done we've done a lot of the firming up of our beliefs and convictions uh, on the affirmative side, right? For the last few years mm-hmm. on the- Theology Thursday, now it's time to get prepped for war, for spiritual warfare. What do, but before we go out there, let's just not, you know, you know, just grab the armor of God out here and then just go out there without a plan. Let, let's, let's truly understand what it is that we're up against and how it operates within our own realm. All right. So we're going to look at that this year. We're going to look at that uh, through co- the COVID stand lens from Dr. Scott Atlas. We're going to look at it from a more holistic worldview lens through my book. We'll do that afterwards. So that'll be, probably be sometime this spring. Uh, do what you believe or you won't be free to believe it much longer and get your copy right now over at Amazon.com. If you've had a chance to read it already and you enjoyed it, please consider leaving me a five-star review there at Amazon. And then later in the year, we're going to look at this uh, more through an economic and monetary lens, particularly as it relates to cryptocurrency. So we're going to begin that three-part series with Scott Atlas's book tomorrow on the show for Theology Thursday. So make sure that you're ready for that. All right. Uh, Coming up at the bottom of the hour, our good friend Daniel Horowitz will be joining us uh, as uh, he takes us inside politics and inside some of the outstanding work that he has done recently. And before we get to part two of Buy, Sell, or Hold, let me remind you about our friends over at Keeps. Uh, Keeps physicians help you select the right products and treatments for your specific hair condition and goals. They offer the same doctor-recommended, clinically proven, research-backed treatments to stop hair loss and improve hair growth, but they're all delivered straight to your door and they cost about half of what would it would at a traditional pharmacy because they offer you the generic versions. And your plan comes with a full year of unlimited messaging so you can connect with your doctor about anything, anytime you want. All right, so if you want to get started with Keeps, we'll give you 50% off to, on your first order to get you started Right now, 50% off your first order on top of the extra savings you get from the generic versions and all of that availability and convenience with it all being online. Just go to keeps.com slash grow. Don't have to sit there and keep pulling your hair out any longer. K-E-E-P-S for keeps.com slash grow. Again, head over half off your first order to get you started at keeps.com slash grow. Aaron. We go to Electric Raptor, who says the U.S. will send troops to fight alongside other NATO nations in the summer of 2022 when Putin attacks Ukraine for no other reason than to distract from the failure of a presidency. Define troops. Let's define that. Let's Advisors, say. Um, are we talking like battalions? De- ploy, I think the uh, I think the de- I think the uh, uh, inference here was a deployment. So let's say 1,500 to 2,000 troops. Sell. 
I don't think there'll be a major deployment. Do I think that there will be a presence, that a virtue signal level of presence? I could see that. I don't believe there will be a major deployment. I don't. Uh, I'll sell. Bye bye. Next, we go to uh, Nola Dude in the PHX who says. DeSantis can win the nomination in 2024, but he's going to have to come out with both barrels blazing, tying Trump to Fauci, Burks, shutdowns, closed schools, and vax mandates. Might be easy to do because Trump keeps talking about how great most of these decisions were. I'll tell you, we got at least five or six submissions from different people basically saying hmm. the same thing in a different way. I'm, I'm going to sell because it's way too early to know what the environment is, Okay. I mean, and, and, it, and, and there's, there's several things that are going to impact that environment. I'll just give you some examples. Trump is pushing 80 years old, guys. I mean, go, go, look, at, go look at how Joe Biden looked and talked in 2016. It, it, that's not the same person. And, and, and that's not his fault. That, that happens... As we get older, and that can happen to any of us. And Trump is in the age group now, where and that and and that it cannot happen for the longest time. But then when it goes, it goes fast. You know what I'm saying? That's one factor. Here's another factor: Does Ron DeSantis get reelected? Here's another factor: Does Ron DeSantis get elected by three or four points or by thirteen or fourteen points? Here's another factor: Do Democrats take the Omicron off ramp? And and get out of COVID stand. Notice how the anger against Trump on the jab pushing has has absolutely subsided since last Friday's Supreme Court ruling. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Now now people are back to just kind of being eye roll annoyed. But I mean, it was where's, where's my pitchfork at? Like seven or eight, nine, ten days ago, right? Mm -hmm. All right. So those are things that could take what some of Trump's perceived weaknesses and take them off the board. I'll give you another one. Trump launches next month his new social media platform. Does he self-emulate on there and completely just go eight? You know what I'm saying? Does he do that? On the other hand, does he show that he can still use his same level of witticism and brashness while also being more disciplined in his message? I mean, there's way too many factors right now, I guess is what I'm trying to say. To even to begin to even navigate this, and if and, and I'll tell you this: if as someone who's been a senior strategist to a presidential candidate, if either one of these guys hired me, I'd give them both actually the exact same advice: leave each other alone. You have plenty of issues and problems before you even get to the that you each have to navigate and answer to before you even get to potentially taking on each other, and then you don't want to do you don't want to set yourselves up. If, if it turns out you don't have to go down that, that road and maybe there's a unity ticket possibility that now you've completely thrown that out. There, there's no point in burning, burning boats and bridges right now is what I would tell them both. I mean, I'd, I'd, say, the, I'd say to the former president, you need to show a, another layer of the American people you have matured as a leader. That you are, that they don't, that you are capable of not being watched every day. And you're okay if you're not. And I tell the other guy, you got to get reelected, bro. So why are we even having this conversation? I mean, you face plant in that state. This we just wasted our damn time. So I just I think this is too early for all of this. So I'm going to sell. Yeah, sell. If this would go, this would be political malfeasance uh, tactically. 
uh, and it would go against everything that has made him great so far. He's uh, DeSantis is really aggressive, but he he never picks the fight. People keep and and he's also again the governor of a state and not Ted Cruz, who's in uh, the Senate and worth. I mean, obviously Ted Cruz does believe the things he says. But you, it's largely rhetorical there in the Senate. It is far more meat and potatoes, boots on the ground when you are the governor of a state. He is a right. I, I, I would just wait, dare Trump to, to start picking on you because everybody else who has tried, they pick a fight with you and you kick the blankety blank out of them. Keep up with that. Let them pick the fights. You've got the track record right there. Uh, absolutely do not go out guns ablazins and just looking for this because you need trump voters to succeed next up no jab for this dad says mount rushmore of winning campaign points for republicans will buy this whole cloth or sell whole cloth all right so it's all or one yep it's a package gotcha yep. okay. uh, abolish federal departments the department of education uh, bureau of alcohol tobacco and fire firearms fbi repeal assault weapons ban universal gun ownership for citizens slash illegal residents uh term and age limits for congress full disclosure of stock portfolio I'm going to sell. I don't think it's bad, but if I have to take them all, okay, then I'm going to sell. I think there's a couple there that uh, I think number four absolutely is a winner. Absolutely it is. I mean, I I saw one of the offensive linemen from my Detroit Lions, Terrell Crosby, tweet out yesterday. So wait a minute. I can't bet on football games, but members of Congress can can buy and sell stock. How's How's that any different? So he's exactly right about that. I think number five is good. I think number one probably goes too far for most Americans, but the spirit of it, I think, is a winning issue, if that makes sense. Like, if you wanted to say, uh, you know, systemic levels of, of, of reform and, and pink slips, I think a lot of Americans are not ready to just outright get rid of the FBI, okay? But I, but I like the spirit of number one, so I'll be supportive of it. I think number four is a winner, I think number two and three, they're they're probably are they're probably already getting the votes of everybody that's mobilized on number two or three. So I'm going to sell. I basically agree entirely with what you said there. Okay. Next, Sean Griffith says America is so divided today. A third of the population would be, would be totally cool with systemically rounding up and interning another one third of the population, and all the while the last third just sat by and watched it happen. Bye. Bye. Yep. Next, John Baxter says, mass migration from blue states is not necessarily a bug of blue state spirit of the age governor's policies, but an intended feature. Spend decades indoctrinating the populace, make things unbearable for non-elites, mm. and see them move to red states to eventually turn them blue. Basically, what, what happened in the Middle East last, last decade. So, we're basically saying the the the... The, the Beto voters that just moved to Texas to get out of California and New York are the Palest of the PLO. Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> mm. That may be the effect of it. I think you're almost giving it too much credit. The idea that this is purposeful um, because it can go the other way too. You can get people that once they get out of there, get a true taste of freedom. They get red pilled at the exact same time. Okay. So I, I'm going to sell because it, it seems that an, in, an intentional act is key to this proposition, right? That this is 
not just the effectiveness of, of the outcome, but it's a determined outcome. And so on that ground, on those grounds, I will sell. Uh, I am sympathetic to that, but I will buy largely because recently we just had Chad Prather on the show and to hear him and talking about Texas and to how bad things really are down there. This is why social issues are so important and they can never be, you cannot have fiscal conservative and, and social liberalism because if you are fiscally conservative, that's just, you know, stuff and comfort and everybody can get drunk on that sort of Epicurean delight. They will come to that, but they won't come to a place that is also rock hard, fiscally like Leonidas and the 3000 Greek Sparta which is what we need to be thinking about. When we say turn it red, that better be what we mean by turning red. Otherwise, you're just lying to yourself. Next, we will hear from Trigger Let's Go Brandon Warning. Trump will be indicted and very publicly arrested by the state of New York right before the 2022 elections. I could see this. I, I, I could buy this. Into your I mean, prediction. I mean, that, that's along the lot. You've got, remember when that, when it's Letitia James, is that her name? Yep. Remember when she took over and started going after Andrew Cuomo, and I told you guys, he's going down, but then right after I did that, what did I, what did I say to Miss James? What did I say to her? Remember? Congratulations yep. on being the 2022 Democrat nominee for governor. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you let, who's the, the LG that took over, Lisa Hockule, is that her name or something along Katie, those lines? Yeah, K- Katie, Katie Hockule. You let her go out there and- uh, say a bunch of stupid stuff that is unpopular and alienates people, and you just get the photo op of uh, a Donald Trump indictment. I-, I could totally see that. Yep, absolutely, I'll buy it. Yep. Next is Aaron, who says if the CEO of the largest corporation in the U.S. was fired for making the worst managerial decision ever, and his predecessor was a complete disaster in every way, would the board of directors return to the OG CEO or look elsewhere? Buy if you they would return, sell if they look elsewhere. Um, they would look elsewhere. They would look elsewhere. But that's put that back up there for me if you don't mind, Aaron, just so I can see. All right, so this is clearly an an allusion to Trump with mm-hmm. lockdowns and COVID, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Followed by Biden. So I they would clearly look elsewhere. The caveat to that was would be though, um, what was their record prior to that event? I mean, people forget that. Didn't Steve Jobs leave Apple for a while? Yeah. Look at Winston Churchill. Yeah. Winston, Church, Winston Churchill was mired in a great political scandal. I mean, he had to switch political parties. And, and they essentially elevated him to prime minister because they thought it was, the elites thought this was the end of the British Empire. And we'll have it done on his watch while we, you know, secretly negotiate resistance terms with Hitler, you know, behind his back. So I think you have to throw in the context of, and I'm someone who generally shares your frustration, okay? And I mean, I was one of the first people to say from the very beginning, this is the worst management decision of all time, right? I mean, from like almost day one. But I think you have to put it in the context of what was the record before. It's not as if there is no... And let me tell you, I don't, if there's one thing I've learned a lot about in the last few years in politics, it's how to lose to Donald Trump. Okay? 
One of the key ways you, learn, you lose to Donald Trump is to not take him or his base seriously. That does not mean that he is always serious and that everybody, there's nobody in his base that is unserious. I think of that woman in 2016 that wore the T-shirt to his rally pointing at her girly parts and mm-hmm. said, Trump can grab my hoo-ha or whatever. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Okay, That's just not a serious person. All right. But I fell for this for a long time. In fact, it's why I thought our show was doomed when Trump doubled down on lockdowns and we weren't going to move. I told you guys that. I thought, I think we might be doomed because I think his base is just going to completely gravitate and follow. And that, that's not what happened, was it? No. No. It wasn't. And what I've learned over the last couple of years is most of his base is actually pretty critical thinking. If, if, if you're hitting him for, because he's not living up to what his base wants from him, they're totally fine with it. But if you're hitting him for, I wish you would tweet nicer... While their, li- while their livelihoods are being taken away and their schools are turned into Marxist mills, that's what pisses them off. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's the stuff they don't care about. And there is there was a strong case for re-election for Donald Trump prior to March 16th of 2020. Now, the events that all the events that transpired after March 16th of 2020 also make for a strong case. Not to return to Donald Trump at the exact same time. And, and, but then you're left with who else can do what he did for us without doing to us what he did to us at the same time. Can any, and we just did a lot. We just did an evergreen show on that, right? Mm-hmm. And did and played that math out for two hours. And it wasn't that easy to come up with who that alternative was, was it? For all three of us that went into that thing with a, with, a, with a preference of somebody other than Trump next time. But when we actually game theoried it out in real time, it wasn't as cut and dried right. on how to fulfill what we still want from that person in, instead, right? right? And that's why there's so much focus on Trump and DeSantis because there's a lot of thought that really that alternative list is maybe one person. Right. Okay? So I think you have to look at the Trump situation in that context. There's a broader context. In general, I buy your principle. But this was also a pretty extraordinary event at the exact same time. But I'll buy. Yep, me too. Next is President Swanson. Top 10 TV dads in the last 30 years. Number 10, Ray Barone. So 30 years, we're going back to the 80s? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. 90s, actually. Oh, the 90s? Yeah. Okay, because I saw Al Bundy on there. Oh, yeah. So that's going to be too early. Yeah. So right. let's say uh, let's say the 80s. We'll say the yeah. 80s. Okay. All right. So, all right. Dave, uh, Ray Barone, I'll buy. Yeah. I'll sell. He's not, that was peripheral to the show, him being a father. That's true, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number right, nine. So you know what? On those grounds, I'm going to sell, too, because I don't see uh, Tim Allen on there. Right? Oh, yikes. So, on, so he belongs on there more than Ray Barone does. Way more. Way more. Agree. So I'll sell. Uh, number nine, Al Bundy. I love that. I'm okay with this one. This, yeah. I mean, not not a good dad, but no. there's dadding in there and it's hilarious. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes. Number eight, Dan Connor. Uh, with Roseanne, yes. Whatever the woke show is now, uh, that I, I'm guessing is unwatchable because I would never watch it. But if, if we're talking 1987 to 1993, Dan Connor, then yeah, I'm okay with it. You bet. I like him in his actor, but as an actor, I'm gonna sell. He would that was he was just kind of second fiddle to Roseanne's shtick. Number seven, Bill Cosby. Buy. I mean, it's impossible. You have to yeah. buy this. Yeah. yeah. 
regardless of what's happened right. or transpired since. This is uh, this is potentially the most iconic father portrayal in the history of yeah. American television. So, bye. Uh, Tony, is it Miscelli? Who is that? I don't know. I don't know. Is that, um, who's the boss? Oh. Let me I Google that real quick. I think that's who's the boss. I bet it is. Well, no. No, look at... He raised the insufferable. It is, yeah. That's who's the boss. Actress that is. What's her so got to sell? No, she's just been annoying us for the last five years. No, I've got to buy, and she was still one of the things that got me through puberty. And he still was the first person I saw wear those black Air Jordans. I worked an entire paycheck at Food for Less in high school, and I spent it all on just buying myself those exact same Air Jordans. Buy. I'm in. So number five, Carl Winslow. Oh, that's. Uh, Urkel, right? Family Matters? Uh, yeah, I'll buy. Number f- Had a Cosby? I mean, come on. No, no, you should, oh, th- now, that's a good point. So, you can't, you know what? I it, feel like I'm facing this one. <laughs> you are, and I'm, I, that's my bad. You, 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 Cosby's the benchmark, right? So that means we're selling the last, we're selling, you have to exceed Bill Cosby. If he's seventh on the list, all right, yeah. so sell. I'm fine with Winslow being on the list, but he cannot be ahead of Bill Cosby. So I'm with you. You're right. My bad. Uh, number four, Uncle Phil. Uncle Phil, is this Duck Dynasty? Maybe, no, that's Phil. No, yes, Phil Robertson. Yeah. That, 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 who's Uncle Phil? I kind of looked that know. up. Who is Uncle Phil? I don't know. And I feel it feels my like I should know of, it right off the yeah. top of my head. Uncle Phil. Who is that, Ron? Oh, it's the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh, yeah. Oh. It's the dad. It's no, the guy. It's, it's the, the uncle and the Fresh Prince. You, you can't have a black father figure ahead of Bill Cosby in this. Or most white ones, frankly. Yeah. So well, yeah, I'm I'm with you. That's a sell. Number three is Red Foreman. Now this one I could you could talk me into putting ahead of Bill Cosby. I mean this guy turned dumbass into a verb, adjective, adverb, pronoun. Like if he were if Red were on Twitter today, uh, preferred pronouns, dumbass. Okay. Yep. I'm I'm okay with Red. Yeah, I like Red on the and I'm and I'm okay with him being ahead of Cosby as much as that's iconic because I just personally loved Red Foreman. As did I. I'll take yep. it. Number two is Hank Hill. No, he's a cartoon. Oh, monkey daddy, the backside of your ass. I love Hank Hill. Loved that show. You know, I'm a big Mike Judge guy. I'll buy. So. Yep. Number one, Jack Arnold. Why should I know that? Who's Jack Arnold? Because it's in the last, I don't know, I'm going to look that up. Who is Jack Arnold? That's another name I feel like I should know. Okay. Um, Jack Arnold. Hey, Todd. What? Did you hear about the uh, new mind-controlled air freshener? No. It makes sense if you think about it. Oh, that's the Wonder Years. He was not <laughs> a good dad and does not belong on the list. That he had some, he had some issues, bro. Okay, very, very tuned out a lot of times. I did not think that that was the greatest dad. President there. Swanson, I don't know. What, I cannot believe this was he's very your number one. Clearly personal. Yeah, to you I can't in some believe. Way. I mean, I'm, I'm fine if you think The Wonder Years is the best of all those shows. It was a great show, but no way was The Wonder Years dad like the number one TV dad. I mean, uh, he's closer to Al Bundy, frankly, than Ward Cleaver. All right, and I saw every I think episode Homer of that Simpson show. Simpson deserves to be on this list somewhere. I, I, he I, had I, some redeeming quality. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to put Hank Hill before, on there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. Uh, Chuck Gregory says, the schism in uh, right-centric corporate media for 2024 presidential election began with Laura Ingram free agency declaration last week. Apparently, she said she's a free, free agent. Oh, okay. I was not aware of that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know either, so I guess that's a, probably a sell. Okay. Well, uh, well, it did not begin 
but there's not enough. I mean, this is not a shot at Laura at all, in any way, shape, or form, but she, she doesn't have the the gravitas to start or begin anything like that. Okay. I'll sell. I don't think it's insignificant, though, either. That's what gives me oh, pause. No, I, don't, no, I don't think it's insignificant either. And she I could make a capable case, absolutely. I mean, but the, that we're in, like, unique Tucker in fact, you, you or might, Bust territory. I, Chuck may have actually inspired my uh, end-of-show uh, prediction for the Dace Group later this week. I think that I think something along the lines of what he brought up may end up being my prediction this okay. week. Uncomfortably dumb says one year from now, Michigan football fans will regret Jim Harbaugh left for the NFL. Two years from now, Michigan football fans will be happy Jim Harbaugh left for the NFL. Uh, if anything, it's in reverse. Uh, they're going to have way too many good players coming back next year. Okay, I mean they're and they're and they're playing the easiest. This assuming this assumes he is leaving. I think it's I really think it's fifty fifty right now, but. Um, the team they have coming back, and next year they're playing absolutely the softest schedule I have ever seen Michigan play, ever. So with the team they have coming back in that schedule, they're going to win nine or ten games just you know, by showing up. So the question is a couple years into this when you have to build your own program, right? So it's a couple years. Like Ryan Day's true test is now. He was handed, this is what Harbaugh meant by born on third and credited with the triple. He was handed one of the greatest programs ever built in college football history while it was still humming at its apex, okay, with a, you know, a, a top 10 NFL draft pick at quarterback. So what happened, it's the ensuing years. I mean, Brady Hoke, his first year, won 11 games, and that's still our last major bowl win. No, I, I, it's actually in reverse if Harbaugh goes. It's what happens in the, the, the years after this one. So, sell. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Next, John Kramer says, powers that B will pivot hard and throw Fauci under the bus. Sell. Sell. I, I could see retirement. I could see retirement. And, I, and, it, and it would be, a, it would be a, a heroic one, like a send-off. I could see that. But I don't, I don't even think they'll stapler guy, the guy. Because of what we were talking about last hour. I mean, he's... Um, He's a cult leader, and 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 pretty much everybody in that cult is in their base. So I, I don't I could see a retirement, but I, I could not see that. No. Next, Alec Baldwin's trigger finger says Dan Crenshaw has been peeking into Lindsey Graham's grinder profile. <laughs> and so, by the way, several of you have emailed me about uh, Crenshaw and his links to the World Economic Forum. Uh, great reset, people. I didn't know about any of that. So thank you very much. It's legit too. Not like, hey, I read this at uh, conservativeyourmom.com. Okay. I mean, no, I mean, like they've like literally like promoted him as one of their speakers and everything else. So I was not aware of that. So I get now kind of the by association thing, why there's an, a, a lot of uh, MAGA suspicion where he's concerned. And certainly his actions in the last few months have done exactly zilch uh, in order to detoxify that. Fair? Yeah. That being said, I don't think iPatch guy is is digging into Lindsey Graham's grinder account. I think John McCain's probably more his speed. Um, you know, like rich hot beer uh, empire heiress. I think that's probably more his jam. It, that could be, but I, I, I will I will sell. Listen, he he got away with being iPatch guy for a long time. Listen, he served his country. God bless him for that. 
but it also made him soft in just getting away with things that people on both sides I mean look at even Saturday Night Live just had to get taken out to the woodshed for what it, it did to him but that honeymoon is over on both sides no one cares anymore that's too far in 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 the past and now he's gonna have to up his game I think he'd and maybe he doesn't care maybe he doesn't but he he's been just kind of on I'm wounded soldier autopilot and he, it's made him dumb because this was just dumb. I agree. That was a complete and total unforced error. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yep. Kind of thing McCain would have never done. Would have been very nice to that young girl and then got ahead and called Jesus a fictional fig- figure. <laughs> yeah. I meet the press that Sunday morning. Yes. yes you know that's, what I'm saying? Yes. That's what he would have done. Yeah. All right. We'll come back. Uh, Daniel Horowitz will join us here next. Back here on the Steve Day Show, and don't forget, you know, there are numerous reasons you have things like homeowners insurance, because um, you've got so much of your own personal worth and value tied into your home that a fire, a flood, a burglary, uh, if those things were to decimate your home, it could potentially ruin you financially. So you want insurance against that. But uh, if someone were to pilfer your home's title from you, I mean, that could do great financial distress to you as well. And they can with what's called home title fraud. They go online where a lot of our Home titles are kept these days in the databases and they forge your signature to make it look like uh, something a quick call, like, like a quick claim deed, like you've sold your home to them. And then before you know it, they're taking out loans against your equity, sticking you with the payments, maybe worse. You try to go to your bank, your mortgage lender and say, hey, man, this wasn't me. And they think you're trying to do fraud. You've got to prove that you were the one that was frauded against. Don't let that happen to you. Uh, make sure you go to our friends at Home Title Lock. They put a virtual barrier around your home's title so that the moment they detect any attempt to tamper with it whatsoever, they will mobilize to shut it down. You can find out if you're already a victim and not yet aware when you go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. And then while you're there, use the code RADIO to get six, for a 60-day money-back guarantee. A 60-day money-back guarantee for your home's title at HomeTitleLock.com. Code RADIO. Let's bring in our good friend, Daniel Horowitz here. Good to see you again, my friend. How are you? Well, we're doing a ride here in Nazi Germany. It's just uh, 70 years too late, but it always catches up with you. I just tweeted a few during the break. Here's all you need to know about the two parties. Democrats are simultaneously arguing right now that a dementia patient got 81 million legit votes and the country lacks voting rights. While Republicans will seek to thwart, if not outright uh, ignore, their base's attempt to get accountability to explain those 81 million votes. I think that pretty much kind of explains, you know, what, what the daily dynamic is like here. But we are seeing a ray of sunshine from the UK. And I, I talked about this earlier, that there's a different dynamic there. That Farage originally attempted to use the current uh, Tory Labour parliamentary system for political relevancy. He got stymied, started his own movement. Got a few members of parliament elected, but never enough that he was going to be prime minister. But he was able to build enough of a base that on a national referendum basis, when something like a Brexit came along, they could move the body politic. And and constantly knowing they have this right populist revolt sitting at their doorstep, I think is one of the reasons why um, the, the Tory party there has provided the world's the best COVID data for the last eight or nine months. And now today announced an end to all these restrictions because... 
They've also got Oxford on their left who's been calling BS on COVID stand from the very beginning. Now, we don't kind of have those elements here. Uh, we have a protest movement that Trump kind of began or rode, but he essentially absorbed it in, entirely into the current two-party system. And then our, you know, Stanford University had about half of its faculty try to tell us the truth and the other half then try to get those people kicked out of school, right? So we don't kind of have that here, but you've got some data from Scotland that is an absolute truth bomb. Tell us about it. So so first off, I think you're you're giving the intellectual case for why the Republican Party is destroying this country. I mean, that's exactly why that anytime we get an ember of hope, it gets jujitsued into the GOP. Right. I mean, we're going to see this. Republicans will do very well this year because people are sick of what's going on, but nothing will change. Whereas in England, there is a ray of hope that you have multiple parties and you can hold them accountable. Um, the Scottish data, I mean, this literally says the whole story of what is going on. Um, it has four cohorts, unvaccinated, one shot, two shot, three shot, red shot, blue shot. Um, and out of the four, um, the double vaccinated have the highest case rate, the highest hospitalization rate, and the highest death rate. The unvaccinated have a much lower rate than even they do. But it's worse than that. They count the first 21 days of the getting the first shot in the unvaccinated pile. Okay. And then they count the 14 days within the third shot in the second pile. So what the this accounting gimmick that we experienced all along, where those in the process where they're the most immunosuppressed, which everyone agrees, all the studies have shown, you know, 14, 21 days that take up of the antibodies uh, before they're up. Um, you have that, you know, negative efficacy uh, because the T cells are suppressed. So that is counted against the unvaccinated. So now they're doing that to the double vaccinated. So you have an inflation among the one and threes and then a little bit more of an exaggerated effect among the zero and twos. But what you see is that it goes negative very quickly. A lot of the third shot is really getting shirked off its liabilities onto the double now. The double is bad, but it's being made to be appear even worse than it really is. And that tells you, guess who's going to be in that situation very soon? The three-shot cohort. And I guess the fourth will be used to haze those in the three group. Um, this is the point. What it demonstrates is not only is it negative effective now, um, I believe the, the unvaccinated only accounted for about 11% of all cases in Scotland the last two weeks. And again, a good chunk of that are really vaccinated with one shot and they're immune suppressed from that. It, it demonstrates the the crime that they've been looking at this at a snapshot. Okay. Mm -hmm. And anytime they can glean any degree of efficacy against severe illness for any group for any period of time, they focus on it like a laser. But the problem is, Steve, when you have a leaky vaccine that wanes, they're like, well, you need a booster. Well, but the same reason you need a booster now because it then goes negative, it's going to go negative again. Isn't that a problem in totality? So the Scottish data proves this is all a lie. Everything you hear about in America, that everyone in the hospital is unvaccinated, it is simply not true. I just had Dr. Brian Tyson on my show, the man who treated probably more COVID people in person than anyone in the United States, 7,000 people, not a single person died who came to him within seven days. 
of, of symptoms, he told me 80% of his patients coming in with COVID are vaccinated. Hmm. Um, what is he supposed to do? Turn them away and say, you're not really getting COVID because you can't because you have the shots. This is such a dangerous lie. I'm dealing with heartbreaking stories of people in the hospital now. They're all vaccinated. They were given a, a, a false bag of goods. And Steve, another article I wrote this week was about or solid organ transplant patients. From day one, it was known that the shots never stimulated immunity for those people. It was known they were never studied in the trial. Um, and again, they're forced to get endless shots. They're denied kidney transplants if they don't. And then when they get COVID, nobody is there for them. You did a podcast recently with a professor and researcher at Columbia University. So first of all, props to you. Uh, somehow you got another Ivy Leaguer to agree to come on your program, thus risking their future branding within their own ecosystem. All right. But uh, but the data that he he that he proffered up, and he's trying to get this up for peer review, and and we can't find a major peer review publication that will that will publish it right now. So it's a preprint. But he took a look. He's trying to solve, and and because people like you and I have brought up for well over a year now, hey, what is the benign, innocent explanation for the all cause mortality or the excess mortality numbers? I mean, how are they how are they worse post jab? than they were in 2020. How do we possibly explain that? Okay. Well, he took a stab at trying to explain this. And I, I don't want to steal your thunder because you uncovered this and it was the first I'd heard about it was listening to your podcast. Tell our audience about it. Sure. So if you want to look it up, uh, it's on ResearchGate. Um, it's a preprint server. Uh, Spiro uh, Pentazatos is is his name so you should be able to find his uh publication there he's a neurobiologist neurobio um neuroscientist very brilliant guy um accomplished person um and he was very measured very much the facts look the math is a little bit beyond my uh my math level um so this is one man but it's not like we're seeing people countering the points. He tried to get it published in 10 journals. They blow him off. They don't debate the points, but you know they're never going to uh, talk about it. The upshot is this. What he did was he studied Europe's data and the U.S.'s data and a little bit in Israel's data, and they had overlapping age cohorts. So he studied all-cause mortality from the beginning of the year through August of 2021. By age cohort, like six brackets in Europe, eight in the U.S., by time, okay, by time. And what he saw were was a, a number of findings, and it coincides epidemiologically with what we're seeing and academically what we're seeing in all the studies. And what he found was negative efficacy of the shots the first six weeks. Now, that's unclear how much of that is the— greater vulnerability to COVID versus the vaccine injuries. He found um, a positive correlation with mortality um, six to 20 weeks, although it was kind of weak. And then again, a very sharp negative uh, effect on mortality after 20 weeks. And he saw it staggered by age by time. Here's the important thing to remember. Most countries perfectly staggered the release of the shots over 80, over 70, over 60 by time. You see a traveling 
movable excess death take-up by age cohort coinciding with the time of the take-up of vaccination Mm. of that age cohort. And it jived in the U.S. and in Europe, you know, across different parts of the world. What he also noticed was there was a so so number two is based on that his model estimates an average of if you subtract the COVID deaths, one hundred sixty eight thousand uh, vaccine deaths correlated with vaccination, um, and that's through August. That's before the boosters. So that would jive with Steve Kirsch's estimates of I think you know two hundred fifty to three hundred thousand vaccine deaths. That's just in the U.S., not Europe. Um, he would, according to his estimates, theirs would be about underreporting by a factor of 20, which is less than what other studies have shown in the past. Um, he also noticed a take up of unva- an increase in unvaccinated deaths coinciding with periods of uptake in vaccination. Other studies from, uh, I believe Queen Anne or, um, Really, I'm shocked. If, I'm shocked this guy can't get this thing peer reviewed. I'm stunned. <laughs> Go ahead, continue. Yeah. Yes, another study from Queen Mary researchers. Um, I, I think you you've seen that. Yep. Uh, that was published. That's a top ten to, university in the UK, by the way. Yes. Seemed to notice that pattern as well. Um, you know, they're the that, school that showed that you that you can you can actually make the vaccine seem efficacious if you take the raw data and move one decimal point or something like that, if I recall. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and it was a similar dynamic. But what he finds, he has a supplementary research and he finds that almost all of that uptake in death among unvaccinated were among infants, neonatal. OK, his model, this is just his model, it shows in August, 667 excess uh, infant deaths in the U.S. I don't know what the denominator is, how many infants die in a month, but that sounds like a lot. Um, and it's unexplained. And remember, around the same time in September, Scotland had twice the amount of neo of stillborns. Um, and it triggered or neo, no, neonatal deaths, not stillborns. Um, and it triggered some sort of investigation. They looked into COVID and they said it's not because of COVID. What it is, they didn't say. They don't, I guess they don't have a reason. Um, I don't know, Steve. I, I, I just, I don't know. But the problem is we have no safety net to get to the bottom of this. We have unnatural selection in academic research where, where we can never get to the bottom of this, where they won't take these tests, where they won't do D-dimers on people that had the shots to see if there's microclotting. There's so many easy things that can be done and they're being denied. Great work, my friend. And and folks, you want to hear that podcast in its entirety. You can subscribe to the Conservative Review uh, podcast with Daniel Horowitz. Just look for it on iTunes and the other platforms. That one in particular is definitely worth a listen. Great work as always, brother. We'll talk to you again soon, okay? Take care. God bless. Same to you. Daniel brought to you by realestateagentsitrust.com. If you want to get involved in the real estate market at any time, you can, it can both be simultaneously rewarding and stressful, but especially during these unprecedented times. Bing. You want to make sure you go in with an agent that you can trust and you will find them where the name just obviously directs you to, the website realestateagentsitrust.com. And a lot of these are agents that come, come right out of this audience. 
That's where this began because Glenn Beck and his friends got tired of dealing with agents they couldn't trust. And say, so like, you know, this is a pretty big audience. We got to find some good real estate agents here. And they realized there were more than they knew. And so they started just referring them to fellow listeners and viewers just like you. And that's where this business comes from. So if you want an agent who will come in, take charge of your situation while also remembering that ultimately you are the one in charge, head over to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. All right. Thoughts on the conversation we just had with Daniel? Well, of course, there's no safety now. We are now post-truth, and therefore, we are not a people of science anymore, no matter how much people say that, because science, as Steve said yesterday, is simply a process and a method, and you, without uh, uh, partiality, you follow that wherever it goes. Well, that that is to the truth. Now science will only be used, it's just like journalism now. It's all narrative, and it's just going to be used as a means to an end, no matter how ghastly that end is and the end is pretty ghastly i mean we talk about uh, the data i mentioned on the montage yesterday and what daniel just mentioned anything short of nuremberg style tribunals with um with the same type of outcomes for those who deserve it anything short of that will not be will not be justice for for those who perpetrated not not on this side not on this side of uh of life. Uh, having said that, the truth, as we always say, the truth is its own reward. In many ways, I've been seeing this come out. Now, they're never going to admit it the way that we would like them to, meaning those in, uh, in the, in the uh, COVID stand. They're never going to admit, ah, yeah, we were right, mea culpa, mea culpa. They are tacitly admitting, and we saw the beginning of that Though I think this morning in in the UK with with Boris Johnson, like, what's the point of these other than just naked authoritarianism? Naked authoritarianism. Yeah, that's a pretty good succinct summary of of what's going on. Naked authoritarianism. That'll do it for today's show. We're going to stick around to the overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. Record it, for, and then you can watch it later today at blazetv.com slash dace. For the rest of you, back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Hall of Famer Glenn Beck. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.